Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. Hello. Well, welcome. Welcome to the RCAF podcast. That's what we're called still, right? Yeah. This week's episode is with Aaron Holsapple, a.k.a. Quali. Uh, Aaron's a good friend. Uh, I've known him for like four or five years. and He just had a kid. I don't even know if we really dive too deep into that, but we talk about Burning Man. Um, music production. Yeah, music production. Uh, his studio that we recorded this podcast in is just immaculate. The sound is, uh, from what I hear, is, yeah. is amazing. It might be the best sounding interview we've ever done or will ever do <laughs> unless we do more interviews there it's all downhill from here yeah so um enjoy it while you can folks because uh, uh no better sound quality than that Also, we've also, we've also, we've also, we've also, we've added a way that you can support the podcast. If you go to the show description on iTunes or Spotify, at the end of the description, there'll be a link that will take you to a website where you can make a monthly donation if you're feeling it. Or you can go to artsyafpodcast.com and there's a support the podcast link on the homepage. It helps us out tremendously, and we're trying to expand. So we thank you guys for all your support. Your support. Your support. Your support.
<laughs> Did you get any splash from it? Zero splash. Nice. That's great. Yeah. I, Aaron, cool. congratulations. You, nasty I guess splash. <laughs> I guess could we, uh, maybe, I guess we could start the podcast off by uh, asking you why you have a porta potty outside your studio. I think I know. I have a good idea. Can I guess? Yeah. It's so that when you're working late at night and you have to take a shit, you don't have to go up to the house and wake up your baby. <laughs> Is that why? No, it's oh. it's because there's construction happening. Oh, my second the house. guess wasn't going to be that either. <laughs> what was your second? Uh, that you stole it from Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, uh, there would be dust all over it and stuff written on well, it. Well, it's kind of dirty. Different things that you could go do. People always post like the little oh, yeah. little piece of paper with like like come to three and see. Yeah, and check us out. Totally, we got free booze, or maybe a female funnel. Female funnel? What is that? <laughs> oh, gotcha. So you can pee. Yeah, it's a little. So you can pee standing if up. If you're a lady, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. cool. Totally. What will they think of next? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you went to Burning Man, and you said it. It sucked. Right? It was, yeah, terrible. Yeah. Way better next year. And I, I heard all the past ones were way better too. No. Like less. No, um, those all suck too. Well, yeah, but I heard that, you know, there were just like less posers. Uh, Previously? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, less now posers. that we got that out of the way. Yeah. It was, yeah, the most commercial it's ever been this year, I think, too. Ooh. I heard it was sponsored by Budweiser, right? This year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Budweiser and Porsche. and camel cigarettes yeah my buddy chris texaco uh came in (laughs) and like at the gates and had like a porsche jacket and hat on and was was asking them if they could personally escort him to porsche camp (laughs) (laughs) that was his his hilarious art art piece for the burn (laughs) way to go chris nice crispy shout out crispy crispy yeah nice Mansion, mansion. Yeah, does he's, he have he a mansion? Make glitch hop. He makes oh. uh, house music now. Oh, okay, under the name Mansion. Yeah, yeah. Bust a beat, dude. How was <laughs> it? It's here. Okay, it's going straight to number one. All right, yeah. hold the podcast. We gotta record something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I mean, where we are is worth mentioning. Yeah, we're, we're in Aaron's home studio yeah what the hail <laughs> is what this is called oh um, yeah oh what the hail yeah what the hail <laughs> so the the it's a barn and the the walls of it uh it used to be a freezer up at ncar um oh, cool and what? for those of you who don't know what ncar is it's the national center for atmospheric research in boulder mm-hmm. yeah and uh the gentleman that that uh, used to live here and built this place uh worked there and when they were getting rid of the uh, this lab for studying hail, which was a freezer, more or less, uh, he took the walls of it and brought it here. The walls and the door. So the door is also like it's like a walk-in freezer door. Yeah, yeah I was gonna I was gonna say something about that door walking in. Yeah, it's a weird door. Yeah. 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 It always reminds me of the uh, like working in the food industry. Yeah. Like in the dorm mm-hmm. cafeteria and Einstein's going in and having to get that frozen dough. Yep. You know, and just prep it. Yep. Put some pizza sauce on there, some cheese. 
Yeah. Fold the, the crust. Yeah. Calzones. <laughs> that was like a little riddle for those of you <laughs> listening at home. Yeah. So, uh, built this place like, uh, last summer and have been in here working ever since. And yeah, for you guys, it's very quiet and weird for me. Yeah. It's, sounds normal and nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like, I don't know for anyone who's not a, uh, seasoned producer or music person, I'd say being in this room is kind of trippy at first because every noise you make just kind of just like whatever it hits first, it stops. Yeah, you don't get those much. reflections. Yeah. Yeah, and I have some things to make it so you do get a little bit of reflections, but... Yeah, you've got like a wooden beam. And the idea with that is that our brains really uh, get... Uh, there's something subconsciously always looking for uh, spatial cues when you're in a room. Mm-hmm. Or just wherever, you know, like moving around, like the chair creaks a little bit or like tap your foot or just any kind of noise. Like our brain is expecting to hear the initial sound and then also the the sound of a reflection or something like that. Yeah. Uh, or if you're outside, you're just going to be hearing outside sounds and you won't be getting those reflections. But if you're in a room and you're not hearing those, then there's something in the brain that's always like, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Mm-hmm. Where am I? Where am I? Mm-hmm. Which can kind of drive you a little bit nuts. So, and even just like the the silence between words, it's like if you have a little bit of discomfort with like silence in conversation, right? As soon as there's <laughs> yeah. two sec- a two yeah. second drop in the conversation, you're like, oh, you're like, oh god, we're drowning. <laughs> just like hum, hum. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody say anything. Uh. <laughs> so it's like. I mean, very basic understanding, but you want a room as quiet as possible to produce music in so you can hear it as clearly as possible. Well, uh, so the idea is to have a room as flat as possible. And by flat, I mean um, keeping the the frequency spectrum uh, as close to the uh, original source as possible. So, like, speakers will, will color the sound a little bit. They'll... Uh, they'll boost some frequencies and cut out some but most uh, most speakers are or at least like good studio monitors are relatively flat mm-hmm. but then the idea is to get your room so that it's as flat as possible as well so that when you're mixing uh you don't have certain sounds certain frequency spectrum that's like way louder so then you turn it down in the mix and then play it somewhere else and that, that sounds like really quiet mm-hmm. nice so um you do all your mixing here. Yep. Yeah, and and obviously I'm just kind of like throwing out elementary questions, but um, <laughs> do you master your stuff also or do you send that to someone else? Yeah, I've always done my own mastering uh, ever since like the beginning, I guess. Like uh, Chris Cox mm-hmm. did, mastered my first album and then I actually like linked up with him and he showed me some stuff and decided that I just wanted to do it. And like they all, all my masters like sucked at first. Like, mm-hmm. I always had like a decent ear for mixing, but like getting the masters right uh, took a while to kind of develop that. And even now at this point, it's mostly the mastering is mostly mixing. Yeah. Because like with the mastering, I'm mostly just using a limiter and the way that that works well is just to get the mix as good as possible and then run it through the, the limiter. Mm-hmm. So you set yourself up for success in the mix and then the master is... I mean, I don't know, but 
is easier or yeah exactly easy that's the advantage of um when you're doing your own mastering you can go back into the project easily and fix something nice as opposed to a mastering engineer like ideally they don't have to fix something in the mix but when they do like they're going to be using tools that are it's going to be way less ideal than actually going and just fixing the source yeah nice nice yeah it's like you know i don't know much about music production at all but so you like as you make your songs you mix them to sound well but then you have it's just like a final finishing procedure to make it all sound as good as possible and coherent over an album or yep yeah it's um yeah so my process is more or less like making the song like mixing it as i go along uh like sound choice is a big part of getting a good mix too in music production like if there's just certain sounds that you really they might sound cool but like in the mix maybe it's just not working with the other stuff it's not working like just having and just having sounds that sound good in the first place it's like mixings you try and polish a turd like yeah. it's not you're not just gonna make it sound good all of a sudden so right so it's i guess just over experience too you just from the ground up it sounds good because you yeah so then with the mastering thing it's like building it well from the ground up is what it makes the final product way better mm-hmm. it's like the mastering the mastering kind of thing that i do and that a lot of my peers do is not as much of like a a mastering engineering thing as like you know the dudes that were like mastering michael jackson or led zeppelin or something like mm-hmm. that because a lot of what we're doing is just trying to make the initial thing sound as good as possible and then not even applying that many uh like effects or or processing at the very end of it and what a limiter does is just like uh it just brick wall cuts off the signal at a certain point so anything any peaks above a certain level Mm -hmm. are just going to get just chopped okay so it's kind of like um a deletion style like it's like cropping a photo or something like that i'm trying to get an analogy going in my head yeah, do I guess, you lose? Do you lose a little bit of um, fidelity? I guess. Well, if you your lose. Mix is not right. You lose what chops. is called uh, dynamic range. Okay. So, uh, like a lot of times, a snare will be the loudest thing in a mix, mm-hmm. and the ability. So, with the audio signal, the what you're doing is you're moving a speaker back and forth. Like when the speaker's off, it's just in the middle at resting point, mm-hmm. and. Uh, with uh with the dynamic range being cut off it means that like a snare is going to sound a little more flat because it doesn't have the ability to to move as much so you Mm -hmm. get like less punch with it okay and that's going to be in relation to everything else so uh if everything else in the mix is turned down then you'll still turn up the music pretty loud and you can have that that punchy snare but if everything in the mix is turned up pretty loud, then uh, it makes it much more harder to get the the snare to punch through. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm trying it's to think about the of. limiter thing in relation to cropping, and it's kind of like cropping in that that stuff that was on the edges is being totally cut out, mm-hmm. and that's a similar thing. But it's not it with the cropping of photo it's like you're actually missing big pieces of it whereas with audio it's still more or less going to sound the same Mm -hmm. you're going to start getting distortion stuff like that but it's like 
if there was a flower in the picture up in the top left corner, it's like that's still going to be there, like after the limiter in audio. Whereas with cropping out a photo, it's not going to be. Hmm. Okay. Cool. But the idea with mastering <laughs> is to get it, get things sounding even throughout like an album or something mm-hmm. like that, right. or or throughout like a show. Yeah, we're also getting things like to uh, a certain like uh, industry standard for loudness and sure, you know, levels in a mix. Sweet. So then you can just play it in any mix, anywhere, anytime, and it doesn't sound like yeah, it's, it doesn't loud sound or like quiet and strange. super quiet or yeah, the mix doesn't shouldn't sound wonky or whatever. Yeah. Or like other DJs could uh, mix the tune into a set and not have any problems with it. Mm-hmm. How long have you been producing electronic music? Um, well, so I got a laptop in 2006 when I went to college. And like, yeah, I started messing around with GarageBand. And then like later that year, my buddy gave me a copy of Live. Right on. Were you playing musical instruments before that? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I played in a band. Uh, we played like punk rock and metal music. And then by the time I got the computer into college, I was more into like jam band kind of stuff or like, like, uh, yeah. And then like string cheese and, and STS nine and bass nectar kind of what got me into electronic music at that time. Mm-hmm. And I got really into, yeah, doing stuff with Ableton, but I didn't really get a focus on, on it until I was done with college in like 2010. And then I've just more or less focused on it since then. Right on. Yeah. And you've developed such a, crazy unique sound i remember the first time i heard your music i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> you know i think i think that's cool like uh you know creating like standout sounds a lot of it can sometimes melt together right you know mm-hmm. and it, like what do you attribute that to to like finding these crazy unique sounds you know is there do you have like a unique approach are you shooting for something like how do you well, find these things you know i think usually with sound design like you try and uh, try and like learn stuff on the internet, but then also a lot of it's just kind of like luck and and like turning some knobs and stuff like that until mm-hmm. you find something that's cool, yeah. and then figuring out some way to contextualize that into a song and because it can sound cool, but like getting it to actually like work in a song is a different thing too. Oh yeah, yeah. In my lim- limited experience with making electronic music, I like hone in and create one thing that sounds cool and then try to put it into a song and you're just like yeah (laughs) Yeah. i think i'm gonna make a painting now yeah (laughs) it's kind of the same thing with a painting sometimes you can get too focused on the details and lose the overall Mm -hmm. picture or you got one thing that's super tight in the painting and then the rest of it is just like muddy garbage (laughs) like all right i'm going back to making music (laughs) (laughs) Do, do you have like uh a specific mission with why you're making music do you feel like a you know a calling or a purpose are you you know does it go deeper than just i want to make some dope sounding shit and let people dance yeah i mean it's been like following breadcrumbs for the past however many years more or less and like i don't know i don't necessarily have like a you know a big like mantra or purpose for like why i'm doing it and why i've why i've been doing it has like changed over the years but uh a lot of it has to do with psychedelic experience and uh just feeling inspired to do it and Mm -hmm. um yeah trying to 
share that sort of feeling and inspiration with other people. Yeah. And just a, like a lot of it's just a feeling that I like needed to do it, like have to do it. And that's just, that's just what it is, you know? It's your way of kind of sharing your experiences with the world and yeah, throwing it into the mix. Yeah. And I'd like to, for it not to be particularly, the thing about music is that it's music and it's not words, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I'd much rather it be, uh, you know, it's like same thing with like art pieces and stuff like that. It's like the over, over analyzing or over, over, you know, this is what this piece is about. And I feel like in the art world, it's like particularly popular these days. It's like something just, you know, it's a red brick or whatever. And then, <laughs> but there's <laughs> like pages on what it actually means. Right. And because of the like academia of it or whatever, like looking at it from this particular critical lens, like the artist like comes up with this, you know, this intellectual thing about how it's so, you know, the, and it, and that's because and then people are like oh yes <laughs> they're like this is high art now yeah. it's like but that's not to me that i don't i don't care about any of that like mm-hmm. if it's a visual thing i mean that in and itself is a cool thing like i do like an analysis and things like that like but, literary style yeah yeah right like i went to school for that so it's yeah, like sure. I, that's cool but as far as like art you know painting like i personally just want to see a cool looking painting like right, i want it yeah. to move me i want it to like, i don't want somebody have to explain to me why it's cool exactly yeah, it's like the direct experience of whatever art form you're imbibing at the time yeah it's and i would like that to be the paramount. same thing with the music too and that's part sure. of why i even do the music is because it's not uh you can say things and express feelings and energy and stuff like that that you can't that i can't put into words you know totally mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think that's definitely part of the reason i make art too it's like a lot of this stuff you're just you're just adrift in some wordless universe and mm-hmm. all you've got are images and sounds. <laughs> I you're like uh I, I mean you're a visual artist as well. I mean I know yeah. you took one of my paintings and created a crazy fucking music video along to your art. Yeah, the visual like, artist might be a stretch, but uh, it's like you're a I mean, I mean you're a three D like yeah, I got it. I got it in me. I think digital like, artist. Yeah, I because uh, like I yeah definitely like in high school and when I like had to take painting classes and stuff or art classes like that was always my favorite like favorite classes in school was mm-hmm. doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then when I started doing music, um, that really became the focus. And I really felt like I didn't want to spread myself too thin with anything. Just really wanted to like focus on one particular thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. you kind of have to. But, uh, yeah, with the music, like, I've had some troubles with my ears and, like, just, yeah, general, like, burnout kind of stuff. So, like, when I feel that sort of thing, it's been really nice to, like, have another art- artistic, like, creative uh, outlet to go into. So I've been doing stuff with, like, video, yeah. making music videos. And and then, and then it enhances your music, too, because you get this yeah, whole... Yeah. This right, it's almost like learning another component. language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People say learn another language is, like, really good for your brain. Mm-hmm. Like, start developing new connections and stuff like that yeah and how did you create that music video we'll put like a link for it in the show notes so people can check it out um yeah so i took your original painting which is freaking dope calibration station (laughs) super cool painting and uh and i guess like uh cropped a lot of it in after effects um 
and then used a few different plugins, but just all in After Effects, like, uh, yeah, made it like move around. And a lot of that was like, would be similar to the sound design thing too, just like applying different things, like trying connecting different things in the program to see like what looks cool and then taking the snippets of the things that look cool and actually like flow well and mm-hmm. then trying to make something more generally cohesive and on like a longer scale with all of that too yeah i mean it was so in- intense and complex <laughs> like did you like you edited it to the music like like what the fuck how do you i mean like can you well it's really similar <laughs> to to producing music so like in music when i'm producing a song it's all going along a uh they call it an arrangement view or like timeline in mm-hmm. ableton they call it arrangement view but it's more or less a timeline and along the timeline uh you have different things happen in different times so like you know with the song you got kick happens here snare happens here and then you can automate certain parameters and whatnot and okay. it's the same thing with the video so it's like i can have you know this part of the the thing the painting that i've cropped out it's like it only it only happens for this section and then they have it fade in fade out like have the different parameters on effects like go up and down stuff like that so it like reacts to the music well there are certain effects in that video that do react Mm. to the music um and after effects will like take the the audio and then plot it over like using the amplitude is what i use so like Mm. how loud the audio signal is and then you can just apply that to any given effect in after effects okay so i had it for some of like the little like tile things i'll have it uh affecting like the scale and position of it so like the 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 things that are like coming off the side of the eye like they'll like pop up when the audio is louder and then go back in when it's quieter okay and then having it do that on a a delay so that it's not the whole thing isn't popping out because there's a bunch of little square things just having them so then you can kind of see like a wave mm. wave of it coming mm. off but that was like the only audio reactive thing the other things i would just uh with the automation like make it start right here because something's happening in the music and then end over here because something's happening in the music right on yeah it turned out crazy and you said it took like <clears throat> a month to render the final yeah, man. Video. Yeah, it took yeah, it took like a month to make it, and then took like it was over a month to render it. Yeah. Actually, like, <laughs> like you've got a nice computer too. I mean, yeah, I went I went and upgraded the computer like in the middle of rendering it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I and got a whole. The only reason computer. I went and did that with because it was the 4K 60 frames a second, which is like over the top, unnecessary with our yeah. It makes it current look, technology. Like it yeah. looks crazy though. If you yeah. have if you have uh, a device that is capable of 4K and 60 frames a second, it's like it's, it's so clear, like, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I do. So like I mostly did it for myself at this point. Yeah, but uh, but soon enough yeah. that'll be widespread yeah, technology. Yeah, a little sure. bit more future proof, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was funny then. Like after that came out, um, Andrew and I were painting at that show. You, you played with uh, Bartow Moonfrog at your mom's house, and that guy came up to me. He's like, "Dude, that music video I've blasted off like twenty times to it." I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> twenty, it's so crazy! It, like just nice, not knowing how people are 
what they're doing with the art once it's, it's in the world. Right. It's and it looks like a, your hands now. a DMT trip, kind of. <laughs> like it looks like one of those little, I don't know, obviously everyone's experience is probably different, but it looks kind of like one of those rooms that you kind of pop into or one of those mm-hmm. spaces that you find yourself in that it's just like laced with geometric patterns and yeah, kind of like, zooming into this perspective thing and with the combination of the music it's like yeah it's pretty nice so go check out that link that we're gonna put in the uh in the show notes yeah yeah this is like you guys got like the joe rogan thing right yeah yeah start asking the guests about smoke if they ever smoked dmt have you smoked dmt (laughs) (laughs) bro have you ever tried dmt in a float tank (laughs) do you swing kettlebells Uh, but yeah, I mean, DMT is definitely a big part of the music for me. Sure. <laughs> like ayahuasca in particular. Was yeah. Like really, but yeah. Ayahuasca in the jungle, uh, and like a lot of, I don't even necessarily want to call it auditory hallucination stuff, but like hearing all the bugs and birds and things mm-hmm. like that, like do their thing. And then that in conjunction with, with my brain and the ayahuasca or whatever, in my sensory yeah. yeah there's just uh there are a lot of really cool things that happened that you, like i'm like yeah that would be really sick to actually to be able to share that experience like through through sure. audio or whatever <laughs> sure and it's yeah. a great thing because you could never you'd never be able to do it i'll never be able to actually get right. it so it's like yeah. you know the carrot dangling in front of my <laughs> yeah <laughs> in front of my face for all eternity trying to actually do you think we'll ever get there? Do you think we'll ever have technology where we can actually see inside each other's experience perceptually? Yeah. Have you seen um, the Dark Crystal? <laughs> yeah. Is that is you? It? Yeah. What are they like? Uh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Dream fast with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like the technology is already there. All right. Jim Henson ahead of his time once again. <laughs> I think I think that's a beautiful thing about creativity though. You know, you have like a really impactful experience in this interesting environment and you do your best to recreate a glimpse of that experience you had. And then whenever people listen to your music or you play it for people, they get like a little hit of that experience that you had. Like you do get to impart this little piece of nugget of wisdom yeah, that absolutely. you experience in that space and it gets shared, you know? And it it's fascinating to me what like what will be the result or what what is it doing with everybody having these really impactful, beautiful experiences and everybody's kind of chipping away at trying to represent these little pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Like o- like over time will we just live inside of a psychedelic experience? You know, it's like there's no use for the psychedelic anymore because we've like created a, you know, a world like where we've yeah. collectively created from those from yeah, being everybody's... influenced by it that there, there's no difference in those states. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. I mean, maybe we already are living in a. Well, no, we haven't hit that. We haven't hit that. Not what he's describing. <laughs> oh, like the, <laughs> oh. the like. I mean, maybe no, you are. tell me more. Maybe you are. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I mean, just said oh. I didn't say no. Oh. No, Aaron said no. John's talking about like the turbo level up. Like everybody's been like maxed out, leveled up by everybody's creativity to the point where psychedelics don't do anything anymore. It's like a solid state creative world that we've built (laughs) where you go from every place is like Meow Wolf 
including yeah. nature. Yeah. <laughs> Every room you open is a trap door into someone's psychedelic <laughs> dream or nightmare, hopefully dream. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. You're right. No, we're not there yet. We're definitely, definitely not. not. No, the ads, the ads is mostly ad. It's world. mostly ads. Yeah, we're mostly living <laughs> we in an live ad. In, yeah, we live in a giant commercial. Speaking of which, uh, <laughs> you got. We want to thank our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Rowdy Mermaid. Uh, yeah, well, Bud Pfizer. Yeah, Bud Budweiser and Porsche. Thank Porsche. you so much. <laughs> For uh, supporting the podcast, if uh, anybody actually works for Budweiser, <laughs> you know, no. Actually, if you use code RTAF when you buy a Porsche, you get a free pair of driving gloves. <laughs> yeah, and you also get a bumper sticker that says Rube. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So you've been down to the the jungle several times to to partake in uh ayahuasca ceremonies yeah yeah and so that's a huge influence on your music or yeah massive man yeah yeah that's some of my favorite uh favorite memories for sure nice yeah just the way the yeah the jungle uh, like interacts with all of that it's just like something else man yeah all that all of that nature just like all that green stuff all the birds and the fauna and the flora just everything synergistically you know playing with you in that space mm-hmm. like having the 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 open perception and faculties to be able to like just have a greater appreciation of that more more uh yeah more appreciation of it mm-hmm. did it change you a lot after the first time <laughs> you did it <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i don't really know I don't know myself before that or after really or okay. like or it's hard to get like a third person perspective sure, is what sure. I mean like um I would say that I was changed but as far as like uh for better or for worse like a lot of it's you know it's up in the air <laughs> I don't know that I'm not a I'm not like necessarily like a everybody needs to do psychedelics to make you a better person kind of dude but, sure but I am a <clears throat> like psychedelics can greatly uh expand you know like general appreciation and perception of uh particularly nature but just life in general you know yeah and because we it's such like a dualistic reality we're in it's like you know you open yourself up to a lot of things so it's like usually usually it's like if you're a douchebag you like some (laughs) Do some ayahuasca, you're probably still going to be a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Depends, yeah. Because it's more like, it's more about like where, like where is your attention in general? You know, and it's like if you, I mean, if you take a psychedelic to be humbled, it will probably humble you. But yeah, if you're a douchebag and you take a psychedelic, you're probably just a to me though, high. I it don't just, know. It doesn't ever like, like generally I can have whatever intentions with it, but like, in a lot of ways that's always seemed kind of arrogant to me and like i've always just gotten whatever the hell is coming towards me anyways you know yeah sure like i don't i don't i don't know that i've ever like known exactly what i need and that's because like i'm just in this experience and a lot of that stuff is like blocked from my consciousness in the first place and that's like what makes it interesting it's like you know the things that are the the least obvious are going to be like the biggest 
problem kind of stuff, you know. Mm. And that's just because mm. like that's how that's how I'm set up. That's how we're set up or whatever. It's just yeah. And psychedelics can make those things more apparent. So you could come out of it and be like, hey, I'm not a douchebag anymore. <laughs> or maybe, you know, I need to be nicer to people. Yeah, maybe you're all, like ignoring all your uh, douchebag behaviors and just kind of being like, ah, they're okay. And you're just compartmentalized so much. Mm-hmm. And then that's, um, in my experience with psychedelics, they kind of decompartmentalize your brain in a in a way that shows you like what you're hiding from yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put your face right in it. You yeah. Yeah. Kind of forced to look at some things and yeah. And yeah. And then the, the, uh, the danger is then just thinking like, Oh yeah. Okay. I got it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Was that onion thing. It's like, you can't. Yeah. To me, this whole reality thing is not about perfection, you know? Yeah. It's about just the whole thing. Just keep spinning on, spinning on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like more and more as I get older, I'm not that old yet, but that like there, you kind of have this core personality that you're not going to get away from. Mm-hmm. And instead of looking for like enlightenment or to change, you just have experiences, integrate whatever happened mm-hmm. and you keep on keeping on. Yeah, try and, and improve like, and, you know, yep. in whatever way you can. But what do you think makes, do you think someone's just born a douchebag? <laughs> Like, do, do you think they just can't help it in a certain sense? No. Or, you what, know. What is it? Like, what is it? I mean, these are just... Because sometimes I wonder, like, it might be well, a it's the thing to me. That, um, women yeah, right. used to clean their vaginas. <laughs> the theory, apparently, I, I don't know anyone who uses that. But <laughs> the theory of douchebag relativity. <laughs> like, dude, he's totally not a douchebag. What are you talking about? Uh, so, yeah, we're going to take a call from some douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like a gurgling sound <laughs> i think the more uh the worst insult is douche nozzle at this point yeah that's the next level because that's where the everything flows mm. anyway i don't know but i guess what i'm saying is like do you think you can change your personality uh you you were saying that you thought that someone's kind of stuck with a personality so is like being a douchebag a personality <laughs> or is it <laughs> You yeah, know. and you can be like an awesome douchebag. I think yeah, too. That, okay. like, that's the thing is, I think you, you can, can be, be the character that is like mm-hmm. always calling people out on their bullshit, and like that's kind of a, a douchebagish kind of. Uh, but it's also useful, you know? yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, and that might be like your role to play. Oh in man! The so yeah, maybe that's, that's the. Deep. Yeah, maybe that's the golden douchebag. But, but you, you can know? become like <laughs> douchebag with <laughs> yeah. a heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like ex- like experiences. You know, you you change subtly through experiences sure but like at the core the core of you is like kind of the core of yeah and like to completely obliterate that and change it like does i don't think you really can i don't think yeah it doesn't seem like you can and instead you become like maybe more present and more subtle in that personality yeah you're kind of like gonna be that person in a way yeah you know like however much many changes i've gone through like Whenever I was in a hardcore music and then, I don't know, college, then start making art. Like, I've always kind of been me at the core, but yeah. I'm doing different things. Right. And it brings out different aspects of myself, but I'm still kind of the same guy in a different context. You know? sure. sure. Yeah, I remember that, like Ram Dass saying something about his like psychoses, like uh, 
I forget what the actual quote is, but he's just saying that he just always has the same. He's had the same psychoses for his entire life, and yeah, and that's, that's just, just like he's just as neurotic. Yeah, yeah, he's just as neurotic. Or yeah, not psychoses, maybe it's neuroses. Yeah, yeah, yeah neuroses. The neuroses. Okay. Yeah, he's, and he's like, just like that's just what it is, you know. Yeah. Maybe we just get better tools to deal with our own neuroses as we go through life. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's uh, or different tools even. It's like you're you're. If you're neurotic, you're always going to be neurotic, but yeah. maybe you create space and like you can watch your neurosis instead yeah. of being like identifying with it, but it's right. still going to be there. Yeah. And oftentimes the thing is, is that like, I feel like, uh, you just keep getting whatever it is, like stuff just keeps leveling up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, and then, you know, maybe that's more if like, if you're like a person that's really like seeking that out, like wants challenge and wants to grow and develop throughout life or whatever but mm-hmm. it may be the same neuroses but the challenge can still you know you wouldn't necessarily know that it was the same problem that you had like at the beginning of that that problem that journey and yeah. then maybe by the end of it you're like oh man <laughs> got me again yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> good one yeah but like there's still this like uh this way i feel like that like be living a life the the challenges you know you they might be the similar kind of challenge but it's like a new level it's like you just keep like exactly yeah it's like okay well you got it on this level you can handle that it's like okay now try handling this like can you handle that Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. maybe maybe not yeah 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 i was um i had an interesting conversation once while like driving across the country about like if you could go this is like a more of like a thought experiment but the thought experiment went something like this it's like if you could go back in time with all the experience and knowledge you have now to your same self when you were say in like high school and just like crush it, what would really end up happening would be just that you would be presented with the same level of challenges that you already have and that the, that life would find something, you know, you, you think you would crush it, Mm -hmm. but you would go back and you would start to go on this path of like, well, I know all this stuff at age 16 that I know at 34. So that gives me a 18 year advantage on people or whatever. Mm -hmm. But really you would, I mean, this is a hypothesis. Of course, no one can really know this, but my hypothesis is that life would just throw you enough curveballs, just like it always does for you to just be stuck with, even though you know more technically, you're still in a place of like the unknown a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Probably come back and be like, you'd be too reasonable. Like, f- <laughs> like you wouldn't have any friends. Right. Yeah. You'd be like 16. You couldn't and stand like, have a party. You're like, well yeah. guys, we have, we have school I'm going to hang out with my two friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude, South Park did everything. Dude. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so wait, you grew up here, right? In Colorado, that is. Well, yeah. Uh, so my brother David and I were born in Hawaii. Uh, oh, my father was stationed there in the Air Force. Nice. Dang. And then uh, we moved to Aurora first when I was four, and then from there to what was Centennial, and then became Littleton, mm. and then went to college in Fort Collins, and then been living in Boulder for the last like five years six years 
So that's why you're so chill. You've just lived in like the yeah. I was gonna ask you like spots. How does it feel to be heady your whole life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a funny thing, huh? Yeah, but you must have seen, uh, you know, just so much change in the last. Yeah, I tell you 10. what, with the with the bass music thing, like I always wanted to move out to San Francisco, uh-huh. like when I first got into it, because that's where like all the guys that that I was really like looking up to that I was stoked on lived. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was the best scene, and then it's like everybody's moved to Colorado now, yeah. so it just all came to me. Yeah, it's pretty it's wild. Cool. But yeah, Colorado is an amazing place, man. Definitely feel sure is super blessed to have uh, been able to grow up here. I mean, like Hawaii's not a bummer either. So it's like, <laughs> How long were you there in lucky. Hawaii? Four years. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. born four years. So I don't like. I have some like deep seated like environmental memory kind of stuff but i don't have like a ton of specific memories there totally like when i go to a beach now definitely like will take me back but yeah you ever go to hawaii i have yeah i've been back a few times uh it's tight <laughs> <laughs> yeah hawaii it's not like cool. burning man it didn't suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally way better than burning man <laughs> sorry burning man <laughs> So those are all jokes, by the way. <laughs> just for anyone just like getting their panties in a lot about Birdie Man doesn't suck. Oh, no, they know what it is. They know. We're not actually bringing up the the actual arguments for why Burning Man sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you not to go. Yeah. You know, really, it's it's crazy. Like, it's so hard to get a ticket now, too. So, yeah. I need, I think we need some like insane weather, crazy dust storms and stuff, get the kick off a few sparkle ponies and <laughs> <laughs> do you know what a sparkle pony is make Jen? it easier for me to get a ticket uh, and for anybody who doesn't know um it's basically like someone who doesn't help out at burning man yeah somebody who yeah. doesn't help or like is not really contributing to the whole thing just kind of like just consuming it and yeah making exactly instagram posts yeah yeah exactly it's, yeah it's more it's a it's a nicer term than like blood-sucking leech yeah <laughs> because they're also probably they also probably have glitter and like a um like a unicorn like fuzzy horn on yeah. your head or something so yeah, yeah. sparkle pony sounds cool i kind of want to be one that's <laughs> the thing that's is cool and the ones that actually know that that's what they are and they embrace it and like you know find some way of navigating the waters without pissing off their camp that's like yeah. that's great but the ones that just go there and like have no idea like what you know, people are actually trying to make the thing be about and like, you know, just like are just draining it, not con- not doing anything constructive or whatever. It's just kind of like. S- I suppose that becomes part of the meaning of Burning Man though, right? That people like that get attracted to it and come to it. Yeah, and for sure. You might have a learning experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You just gotta, we just need some weather though. the past two years have been really really nice like mild weather so yeah everybody now is like oh yeah dusted burning man like everybody says it's so bad but i went and it was fine (laughs) it's like okay well yeah just come next year and we'll do a big dust storm and it'll rain and just get a little crazy (laughs) there's nuts out there like when the you know like wind and dust like really starts kicking up it's like you know, you go into survival mode. You can't it's, see. It's like, not, yeah, it's, it gets a little crazy. Did you DJ there? Yeah, yeah. Every time I've gone, I've played some music. We, uh, my buddies and I, 
friends. Like we did a sound camp this year called Mount Everest. Shout out. That was a uh, yeah, sort of headed by Jordan Pickles and uh, Corey, who made the the hummingbird stage for Sonic Bloom. Mm-hmm. And the idea has been to burn that thing at Burning Man, uh, but we weren't able to get the permit to burn it, so mm-hmm. we just did the stage and didn't burn it. Nice, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, What's like it? Bass Nectar played, Noisia played, Tipper played. Ooh, um, at Mount Everest? None <laughs> <laughs> uh, of those people actually played there, yeah. Lauren hates Burning Man now. Oh, I thought he was um, playing a secret set at the Trash Fence. Yeah. Oh, nice. uh, Daft Punk. Daft Punk is always (laughs) there every year. Daft Punk makes a surprise appearance. It never fails. It's like Dust at Burning Man, Daft Punk at Burning Man. Kind of the same thing, you know? So. Yeah, Yeah, Burning Man sucks. Like, whatever. Fuck your burn. (laughs) Safety third. So, uh, yeah. Um, what's it like touring, you know, like what's the, just what, like what's that experience? Are like? you just drowning in chicks or what? <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Just I, I mean, Andrew knows too. Andrew's yeah. Yeah. I, I, I went on tour with Aaron for yeah. a little bit. It's a manager. lot, it's a lot like driving. It's a lot like driving all night and, um, trading, drivers and you're like oh finally like get some sleep just as you're not off to sleep um you know the guy you're managing says oh we're getting pulled over and (laughs) (laughs) and uh it's a lot like sitting on a texas highway pretty early in the morning in (laughs) january late january early february and uh getting your car searched only to find that since we're smart and old, we don't ride dirty so that they, they have nothing on you. Very smart. That's yeah, tour. That totally happened. Yeah, that's the guy, obviously The cop, like, he was like... <laughs> he saw you two guys. He's like... <laughs> well, Aaron looks something. like Aryan Jesus, and I just have this, like, Mad Max kind of... Colorado <laughs> plates, like... Yeah. But my favorite part about it was the, the, the Texas cop was like... He's like, you have any guns? I was like, no. He's like, you sure you don't have any guns, man? I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, well, yeah, we got any guns. Like, you just got to show me where the guns are at, man. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I swear, like, the next, the next thing was going to be like, dude, I mean, you're in Texas. Like, if you want a gun, I got one in the truck. Like, come check these out. Like, I, like, you can't have any weed here. And I'm totally going to bust you for that if you got that. But like, it's like, while we search your car, if you want to come back to the trunk and check out our guns, you can totally get one here. We'll let you take one home if you don't have. any weed <laughs> no it was really funny so you know i'm i'm in the passenger seat and he comes around i think to the passenger side and uh just does a little tap and roll down the window i'm like just waking up and he's like ah just giving us the questions like uh where are you guys going and aaron's like yeah i'm playing music we're i'm playing music in austin tonight and he kind of looks around the car and he looks at me and he's kind of like and what do you do and I'm just like, I'm his manager. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like all my painting gear and prints and easel and painting in the back. And it, yeah, it was pretty funny because we knew that they didn't have shit on us. So we were just like, you were free. All right, whatever. We'll stand in this windy 
Texas cotton field for a yeah, second. I think the most uh, scary thing was just the possibility of them planting something. Though. Yeah. Because that was a real, I was, you know, that's like, true. I, I don't even bring anything, but like, yeah. you know, I'm sure this cop's got something. Yeah. And, well, just yeah. a heads up if anyone's ever driving through Texas um, and you haven't driven through Texas before, a lot of their uh, smaller highways. They, they crank the speed limit up to like 70, 75, and then you kind of hop from small-ass town to small-ass town. And so as soon as you start going 70 or 75, you start in getting close to another town, and the speed limit just drops exponentially every 0.2 miles or something. And that's why we got pulled over. So there's a little PSA for everybody. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think drive the speed limit, folks. Yeah, pay attention, Aaron. Yeah, hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah, touring, touring life. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a lot like that. So that's touring. <laughs> you get pulled over in Texas. Yeah, like yeah. I, for me personally, I think uh, like touring. You know, it's definitely got its upsides and downsides. It's like really fun when it's an awesome show, but it's like yeah, it takes so much time. Uh, the uh, you know, when shows like don't go that well, that's like really soul draining. It's really, yeah. yeah when you go like do all that work to make all the music, go to a show and it's like, like nobody even cares. It's mm-hmm. really like, you know, feel like I, I like really put myself out there and it's just like, you know, that can be really gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that happens. I haven't had one of those in a really long time. And even if there's like one person there that's like, stoked then that yeah. you know that makes Playing it for that worth guy. it yeah. yeah yeah and i gotta say um from my perspective at least the the uh run of shows that i was with you on like yeah, up in great. the northwest really fun. And, and austin texas yeah it was all like friends during the shows and uh shout out to all those crews olympia seattle portland yeah Danktronics. yeah Danktronics. And, so, uh, like, when you create do a, culture, when you do a tour like that, do you like, like, do you book it? You like, how do you go about? Yeah, doing I, the tour? Uh, I like am my own manager, my own booking agent. <laughs> I thought Andrew was your manager. He, he he was my manager. He was the tour. manager. I got fired. Fire oh yeah, tour manager. Tour that's manager. A, that's a different that's right. than I get things confused. Tour manager is different than manager. Business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's also not my tour manager anymore either. No. No. Lost, lost those privileges. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to tell the cop that I was his tour manager. So I honestly thought that I told him that you were the tour manager, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, let's keep rolling with this." <laughs> so he thinks I'm the tour manager. Either way, uh, uh, either way, we were painting? Uh, we were both we were both anxious to to for you to be like the tour manager. To this yeah, cop. yeah. <laughs> well, I remember there was one point where um, being a good tour manager, I was. Uh, I was, you know, dipping like a rice cake in some hummus and feeding you while you were driving. <laughs> yeah. Was that like yeah, pretty much what a tour manager? Tour manager was? More or less. And then you know you shake people down for money at the end of a show, which you didn't do once. I don't think. No, I didn't need to because, like I said, all those all, hummus, all those yeah. cats were great. So they yeah. made my job easy. <laughs> you, you I picked out the hot girls from the front row. Be like you, you <laughs> come backstage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah, and like uh, my position, it's really like, uh, like I haven't gotten super popular, and like people don't see me as like a dollar sign in general, you know. Mm-hmm. So generally, the people that are bringing me out for shows, like actually, like feel it and like want to bring me out because they just they like the music or whatever, and 
And so like as far as my booking, what I do, it's just mostly people hitting me up and then I have to organize how to get there or whatever. But okay. uh, but that's a nice position to be in because like I haven't been like screwed around with very much. Like a lot of artists yeah. when they get really big, like get a lot of promoters that don't know what they're doing and just like people just want to hit. Yeah, people just, see you and they're like, "Oh yeah, this, dude, that. this will get money. I'm gonna get all this clout from throwing this show." And like, uh, it just turns into this whole thing where you can it, it becomes really easy to get like taken advantage of and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that a lot. You know, I see it a lot, but uh, I personally haven't had to go through much of that just because like I think my music has just been weird enough and hasn't like taken off to the point where like people really see me as that you know something to be exploited or whatever <laughs> yeah it's like a bittersweet spot to be yeah in, you know? <laughs> yeah totally yeah and then like, in, in hindsight for all those years just being super frustrated about that kind of thing it's like well i'm actually pretty stoked yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. it's like and like you, you can the thing about fame and doing big shows and stuff like that it's like a lot of times you realize that you know that wasn't i listened to mr bill podcast i thought was really good uh the other day and he was talking about how he played red rocks and like played the show and it was freaking awesome but then afterwards he was like uh he like was like well i still have all these same problems that i had you know like i still feel this like you know the same psychological issues i had that didn't solve anything so it's like yeah and a lot of people with anything like goal oriented like it's really uh and creativity and goals in general it's like a lot of times you hit those goals and then you realize that that you didn't actually do anything that was positive for you or whatever it's like that's yeah, strange and huh? it's really the the whole like creative process and the journey of making all that stuff that you really like that was what was cool in the first place yeah the whole point is to make this stuff huh because i've experienced the same thing you know like you'll go through waves and like you'll have achievements or cool things happen and you're psyched but inevitably you come back to like i suck (laughs) nobody cares yeah exactly my heart's lame i've been like stuck in that feeling like it's been like a month straight of just like everything i make is garbage i suck (laughs) yeah like the fire leaves me and then right yeah maybe get all that serotonin drain from achieving a goal or whatever and then after it's like high and dry and like yeah you just start from square one again Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and it starts to strike you it's like yeah it's just about the process Mm -hmm. doing it rather than you know but inevitably you get caught up again in goals or wanting to you know be bigger yeah well that's a great it's a great fire for the flame you know yeah. like having those goals and like having certain you know deadlines and things like that it's great mm-hmm. but a lot of times like we end up putting so much expectation on something like you know hitting that goal achieving that goal and then right. it's kind of like well i guess i just really my favorite part about this was creating so exactly or, or yeah. striving to, to the goal even yeah is maybe the whole point and that's weird too like once you hit those goals you had mm-hmm. like you were saying you hit those goals and then you're like, oh yeah, I'm still fucked up. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Right. You think it's going to do something. You think it's going to be like, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. Like <laughs> I feel great now. Like uh, all that stuff was like, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's all gone now. Like I, you know, headlined well, this thing and yeah. 
everybody loved it and everybody loves me and now I'm perfect and feel great. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like nah. Said nobody ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's, but it's also like if you didn't set those goals, you wouldn't have those great feelings of playing those great shows and meeting right. friends and having these experiences. So there's like, you do experience this tremendous, these tremendous states in going for that goal, but there's no happy end point. And then sometimes well, there's yeah, but it's like the happy endpoint. A lot of times, you like you feel that that dopamine and that serotonin, you know, when that goal is achieved. But it's the after effects of that. It's like the hangover. Yeah, yeah the hangover of that a goal. Totally. And I think as you like achieve bigger and bigger goals and stuff like that, you get you have to figure out more and more how to kind of level things out, like yeah. psychologically, like mm-hmm. make gotta, the run up less intense, so that you know after the thing, then the 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 ebb and flow get a little bit more balanced out like a little less intense on each of them yeah like as as you as as you have experienced those waves again and again like achieved a goal blah achieved a goal blah. <laughs> after a while you're like yeah i'm gonna do this like it's no big yeah it's I'm not as big it. of a if deal it's fun awesome if it's not okay i'm yeah. just gonna keep doing my thing mm-hmm. are you do you feel yourself like in a state like that now like do you still do you just not want to set goals now and just create and see what happens? Oh, no, still... no, no, no. It's not like that. <laughs> Definitely not like that. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that I've even learned anything necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just something that I've experienced. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, all like, you can really say is like, like try try and figure out how to like not hit the burnout kind of thing so much, you know. Sure. Uh, you know, I've definitely like maybe learned a little something about that kind of thing, but <laughs> it's still it's not like uh and yeah, and the learning part, I guess what the the learning part is just that it's not the destination, <laughs> it's the journey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, there's a reason we say it like yeah, that. Like yeah. it's so silly, but it's, it, it's it's so cliche, but it's like yeah. Right, and the destination is probably tight too, but just, you know, like in a lot of times my favorite thing is just being in the middle of writing a song and sometimes I'll just be like, all right, like, okay, remember to enjoy this and soak this up right now because it's like your favorite thing. So, yeah, and usually, you know, a lot of times just like fly through it and not even take a moment to enjoy the the process or whatever, just get into like a a flow state, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where you're just gone, it's happening. Yeah, Yeah. so like, in that kind of moment, taking a second to just be like, oh, yeah, thanks. Okay, this is tight. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. All right, back to work. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, a, a weird metaphor I thought of, and maybe this will make sense. Like, if uh, you're the studio, you want to keep your psychological equilibrium flat, and then whatever life throws at you is like the shit coming out of the speakers. And it just can you're just the space in the container that that happens to. Yeah, mm. that's a good one. I think Siddhartha yeah. said that. Yeah, that was uh, that was the Buddha. That was the Buddha quote, quoting the Buddha. <laughs> Maybe or no, it was Jesus. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> one day they're gonna read about you, Andrew. <sighs> I hope not. I mean, neither of them actually said that, but they are both in you, and they're speaking now through. You. Oh, that's right. In this uh, podcast, let let the listeners know that that I'm a channel. I'm funneling, funneling it. <laughs> yeah. What else does Buddha have to say? Um, 
he wants to know what it's like being a dad <laughs> and naming your son after one of his, uh, his, his genres his, uh, of Buddhism. primary sex. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> describe being a dad. Yeah, that's like just, just. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody describe it well. Personally, how could I describe it? Like, it's a uh, you know this feeling of love that. I have not experienced before. Like, mm-hmm. definitely, like, when, like, a little guy laughs, like, make him laugh. It's just, like, you know, the best dopamine hit you'll ever get. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, like, it's really hard, like, really tries tries your patience and, like... Mm-hmm. It was a very, uh, you know, like, dualistic sort of experience, like, really you know most amazing beautiful thing in certain ways and most annoying thing in other ways you know mm-hmm. but it's one of those things is like the words are just you know yeah they're just words yeah it's really, can't really it's, so maybe you're writing a song right now about being a dad fractal boy yeah <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, does it change that the context of your art path like now that you have a son like does that change your relationship to reality and what you're doing yeah i'm sure it does like i don't know that i haven't started writing music in a totally like different way or anything yet um so make a bass album for kids yeah (laughs) yeah that'd be really fun mash up some barney in there (laughs) sesame street yeah lamb chop Oh <laughs> damn, Eureka's Take Castle. Anybody out there know Lamb Chop? This is the song that never ends. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. They'll continue singing it forever just because it's okay. It actually ended. It it's actually still happening in uh you know the five D uh hypercube tesseract space <laughs> but yeah david avocado wolf right <laughs> <laughs> yeah he wrote that song i'm pretty sure and he's still singing it in yeah. the tesseract oh, he's <laughs> definitely singing it dude i saw he's selling he's slinging air filters now <laughs> he took the he took the quote-unquote avocado out of his name why he's doing like sponsored ads is he david air, air filter <laughs> wolf now <laughs> yeah i don't know dude uh, i thought that was great though i was like yeah. All right. Good thing like, you're advertising this to me right now. <laughs> like the counterpoint to uh, Alex Jones. Same shit. He sells like water filters and air filters. Yeah. It's just like the heady version. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say these are like Bullshit. more. Uh, these have been attuned by crystals. <laughs> yeah. These air filters. By the, the octave of the sun. Like, like literal air filters. <laughs> he just dips them in cacao. <laughs> For our cacao ceremony today, I'm going to put it in air filter (laughs) yeah charcoal cacao (laughs) sick uh, lamb chop David avocado (laughs) (laughs) you know it's we make fun of David avocado wolf but he deserves it really he's our dad (laughs) (laughs) yeah really he's He's all of our fathers (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll yeah. edit that out or not. I don't know. We might yeah, just... we'd like to thank our sponsor. Yeah. Avocados. <laughs> Porsche. Do you ever slice avocados. an avocado open? You can't just, edit that out. Just eat it. 
You ever eat an avocado straight from David Wolf's mouth? <laughs> Baby bird. He doesn't even chew it up. I mean, he's kind of, he's got, he's a busy guy. <laughs> he doesn't really have time to chew up all that avocado and spit it in. It's half chewed up anyway, if you think about an avocado. Like, you know, I mean, if in a pinch, you could swallow like half of one of those things yeah. at once. The you flat, know? the flat girth. Yeah, the yeah. What'd you call me? <laughs> um, yeah. So being a dad is weird, huh? Yeah. Do you yeah, feel more like responsible little, now? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, it's like little, little fractal. I feel like I always have this thing, like, like thinking about DNA and like how much the DNA does and like just trying to wrap my mind around it in general because it's such a crazy thing i feel like it's one of the most like uh amazing awesome things like in the material world sure you know, that we have definitely like it's, it's such a cool thing but um like thinking about how like before like feeling like my biological being feeling like i was the most important thing uh with respect to that DNA not even it's not that I'm thinking about the DNA but the DNA makes me like feel like like I'm the most important thing or whatever like you're having this subjective experience that you as a physical body and and a psychological body kind of come first yeah and it's like a similar thing to like reproduction or whatever it's like this thing that's just there that makes you feel like like you're important and like you know you gotta eat to like continue on like yeah and it's not even this thing where it's like oh yeah you gotta keep this dna train continuing but that's what it is yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and like uh and there's all these like you know fascinating ways that it continues itself without us even really realizing that's happening or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah after having a kid i was like okay now this guy like this dna is the most important dna (laughs) like my dna is not as important anymore like i've sort of fulfilled one of my uh purposes in life or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. and now taking care of him or whatever is like uh an important thing yeah but yeah like thinking about that in relation to trying to like just watch sort of these like some of these like automatic things that like <clears throat> that just like happen or think about or whatever mm-hmm. that like uh, as a human being programmed to do or act in certain ways i find that fascinating yeah i'm always interested too like um somebody that's had a lot of psychedelic experiences and don't you like turn on like parts of your gene expression yeah i was gonna talk about it, that. if that's like passed along to like after you've had those experiences and epigenetic yes. stuff, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if that's passed along, and like, does that give a kid sort of like a leg, a, up. A leg up in a way? And yeah, have you given him any acid yet? <laughs> <laughs> did you see the? Uh, did you see that? <laughs> it was a. Uh, did you watch that that video on that's been making the rounds on Facebook? No, there was a dude who did. Uh, 
as like these videos of people just like saying the most crazy stuff and like acting a fool at Burning Man, you know? Oh, oh, the Wooks doing things guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But then the dreads. he's asking, he asks Alex Gray, like, how do you feel about like microdosing children, <laughs> like little kids? <laughs> and Alex Gray's like, eh, microdose. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> 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 but no, I have not. Uh, You're taking a macrodose of a kid. Nor do right I now. plan on. Isn't like raising a kid just macrodosing your own recycled childhood or something like that? Yeah, I mean, if you like psychedelics, you probably like having a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That childlike wonder. Yeah, the birth you get to relive it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And just like all the, it's just such a, it's such a trippy thing, man. It's such a, you know, this like I was saying with the, like uh words don't really work and so i make music it's like same thing with you know having a kid it's like the words mm-hmm. are just really uh hard to describe it sure yeah um but yeah epigenetics are crazy like yeah, I'll think we all these experts here and yeah n- none of us are <laughs> experts yeah thank we'll goodness tell you about epigenetics <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, uh, go do some research if you don't know what epigenetics yeah is, it's though. basically inherited traits that are learned mm-hmm. right well i mean i think it's like changes in dna that just happen uh in a lifetime and then those can potentially be passed down yeah, yeah. like so like uh like eskimos or something like that eskimos like they got some some things going on in their dna to help them deal with the cold better and mm-hmm. like they can pass that down to the kids yeah but it's not a genetic change in the dna that happens either like as like damage or as uh like in reproduction that kind of thing because that's usually when changes to dna happen or in reproduction Mm. or if there's some kind of damage like with radiation or something like that or just age too i think age can age will make the the genetic code start getting firing off like cancer cancer makes it i don't know what that does but something about repeating wants to keep making the cell making making oh, yeah. the cell over and over again uh-huh. i think that's something like messed up with the dna yeah but again i don't know well yeah you don't um, have to take my word for it yeah, yeah. look it up <laughs> <laughs> hey let's bring something up you look it up you know? reading rainbow <laughs> yeah sarah's actually taking a genetics class right now oh cool um show her on you should I, yeah. show her this segment yeah i will yeah. And she'll be like, oh, you guys got it all wrong. <laughs> D minus. Um, Quali sucks it. <laughs> Quali does not know his epigenetics, <laughs> yeah. for fuck's sake. Uh, Sorry, Sarah. Um, well, so from epigenetics to synthesizers... Yeah, you got a bunch of synths in here. Yeah. Do you like? Do you actually know how to play a synthesizer, or are you just like, this one sounds cool, and like that <laughs> one sounds cool, and like digitally compose it? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, so playing a synthesizer. So first of all, you got your keyboard part of it. So that's playing the music of music part of it. You know. Yeah. And like I understand that. Uh, and then as far as everything, we're looking at a Moog Voyager here and like I, kn- I know what all the things on that do. I'm mm-hmm. so jealous. They seem like so much fun to could, play with. Could you maybe um, just break down what happens when you're synthesizing sound, uh, like the electric current to... Yeah, well, with that analog synthesizer, you're mostly going from the pressing the 
the key, which is sending MIDI data to an oscillator. Mm-hmm. And an oscillator is sending a, a, a variable electronic signal through uh, some wires or whatever. But so it's like, if zero is is nothing, then you got the the electrical signal going up to a certain peak and going down. Mm-hmm. Going back down to zero, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so the oscillator is able to make different waveforms. And the way that that electricity is oscillating uh, with a given waveform is going to be also how the speaker moves. Okay. So... Um, like with a a sine wave, which is much more, it's got a nice pretty curve to it. The speaker is going to follow that same curve. So the speaker is going to be doing this more uh, natural kind of movement. Whereas mm-hmm. like a square, which is just going on, off, on, off, like mm-hmm. all the way on, all the way off. Like the, the speaker is going to be doing that too. So it's going to want to be all the way out and then all the way sucked in. Mm-hmm. for the next uh like in just in a given phase so like all the way out all the way in and sending those signals to a speaker is like what uh those different waveforms is what gives a sound a particular character like a particular uh timbre tone to it mm-hmm. so like all these different waveforms will make they make different sounds uh based on how they make a speaker move but um you got the, you got your oscillators and then filters mostly. I wonder if you plugged it into me if I'd start moving around. <laughs> John's last name is Speaker. Everybody, did you catch that? It's a good joke. It's sick. <laughs> this is what you stay for in our podcast. This is why you guys had me on here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we can, we can All right. Go, go All right that was now. a good one, guys. Wrap <laughs> it. No. Um, so, do you have a favorite uh, oscillator? Do you like sine waves? Are you a triangle guy? Uh, sawtooth. Sawtooth. Mm, That's what those are called. I feel that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Sawtooth. So a sawtooth has all the harmonics in it. Um, so the harmonic series is like how all natural sounds happen, more or less. Like all musical instruments follow this mathematical series uh, where there's like a fundamental tone, which is going to be more or less the, the what we're going to hear the note as so the fundamental fundamentals like a a 440 or whatever 440 mm-hmm. hertz then depending on the the waveform you've got different uh overtones on top of that mm. which happen in uh certain mathematical ways and uh, so for instance like the like a, a square wave is only going to have the odd uh overtones Okay. And a uh, a sawtooth wave has all the overtones. Mm. Okay. So like all the so it's the most kind of like rich and robust sound. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Nice. So then when you're doing subtractive synthesis, which is what the Moog Voyager is like, you're taking away stuff from it. So like with the sawtooth wave, uh, because it's so robust, you have a lot of things to work with when you're taking things away from it. Nice. But yeah, if you, anybody who doesn't know about the harmonic series or whatever, go watch a YouTube video about that stuff because that's like, to me, that's some of the most fascinating things, uh, fascinating stuff about music, like how how the natural world and uh, just like goes off this harmonic series with mm-hmm. musical stuff, like all musical stuff is like, if it sounds musical, it's going off the harmonic series. And mm-hmm. the world just does that without trying. 
Nice. Or maybe it is really trying, but I don't see yeah. it trying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it's effortless yeah. from our perspective. It's cool to have like that, an actual scientific understanding of how the si- sounds are created too. Do you think that gives you more control? Cause you're actually like, you know, like you understand what the fuck is going on with that, why the sound is sounding the way it does. Yeah. So definitely. you can really hone in on what, what you're looking for. Yeah, I would say so. And being able to, like, because uh, even if you don't know that stuff in particular, if you're looking at a spectrum analyzer, which is something that, that shows you all the different uh, harmonics of a sound, like, you're going to be already, like, looking at that and seeing what's going on and, you know, basing your mix, like, doing mixing around that and that kind of thing. But, like, learning about the harmonic series and, like, how those things actually uh, work mathematically, I think, is... Is it? It's like, uh, you know, what's his face, uh, uh, Elton John. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe he talked about the Rocket Man thing, where he's a Rocket Man, and like he don't fuck you know, yeah. he don't know about the <laughs> the science behind it. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he's that's that's a lyric in that song. It's verbatim, man, and I don't about it. Yeah, exactly. But that's the point of the song. Is like he's the rocket man. So my point is just that you know you don't have to like nobody needs to understand anything about music to be able to make music. Yeah, that's how I am with art. I don't know anything, but you just do, do it. it. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. But then also like. I find it really cool, you know, some artists that I know. Andrew, you know a lot more uh, about, like, color color theory, like, compositional stuff. I feel like you actually, like, know things. I mean, blue, knowing, cobalt, right? You know about the cobalt? I don't know. You, cobalt, yeah. You and Emily nerded out on some color mixing. Oh, yeah. I, was like, I don't know sure, what you guys Sure, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, for me, it, it just helps a lot um, to know... And it's probably, I'm trying to, on the fly, think of an analogy in music, but like when you mix maybe two tones yeah, together, yeah, it's, what it's like you get knowing is, music theory. So it's like knowing scales yeah, and yeah. Uh, chord progressions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to know any of that to sort of like pick it up and you right. just hear it. But right. if you actually know like music theory or whatever, then. Yeah. Which is, you know, from my point of view, it's like the more um, you learn and can put into practice in an effective way, I think the more avenues of expressing your particular medium open up. Yeah. Just as long as you don't get stuffy with it. You know, the music guys talk about these things like with, uh, it's definitely like, like waves of knowing, uh, or thinking like how good you are at it, you know, like learning. If you like, you learn music there and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I got this. But then like, you were actually like better before you knew it. So then uh, it's a, it's this thing about like getting, like learning how to do stuff, gaining technique, but then also forgetting the, the, those fundamental principles or whatever, so that you're not like creating just based on some construct that, uh, right. you know, you yeah. gotta be able to forget that you, stuff. And so then you grow again, learn yeah. more stuff, but then you also gotta be able, you gotta be able to forget that again, get that out of the way. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you're not, so you're not like creating out of your mind, but you sort of absorb that information. Then you can intuitively create. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. They call it like the virtuosity and with the live instrumentation or whatever. Like, so like the, an instrumentalist ideally can just play 
you know, they're playing from their soul. They don't even, they're not thinking They're not about thinking like, like, oh, this oh, is a Mixolydian. Yeah, exactly. Or a Dorian scale or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But they had to learn that to get to that point. Right. What I've heard is that when you learn a new skill or technique or something, you're using all of, like, nearly all of your brain that is actually turned on is engaged in learning that. And then eventually, once you get better at it, it kind of compartmentalizes into smaller and smaller parts of your brain to where it almost just becomes a muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you're embodying what you've learned. Yeah. And so you can come up with it on the fly. Mm -hmm. And that's... Makes sense. That sounds true. So, yeah. you it's know, like learning I'm repeat it on a podcast. You know, like learning a kickflip. You got to fucking work hard at that shit. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. once you got it, it's in there. Yeah, it's totally. just in your repertoire. Mm-hmm. So you make music with like synthesizers digitally. You record instruments. You record field recordings. Oh, you, yeah. You just like weave a tapestry of anything that sounds cool. Of sound, sound, sound. Sound, 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 sound. Yep, that's the that's the thing. I mostly uh, I do a lot of like synthesizers, digital synthesizers. I haven't been using the analog ones as much, but mm. but yeah, also like record guitar stuff and use quite a bit of field recordings. Like go out into nature, record things, and use that yeah. in the music. What's your favorite sound you've ever gotten from nurture? Uh, <clears throat> so I was hiking in the Himalayas mm. and. Uh, this I is not along, a joke. I walk along this path, the golden path of enlightenment, because <laughs> it's in the Himalayas. <laughs> and so this part was where it's actually serious. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're not enlightened? There's a... Uh, uh, no comment. A <laughs> yeah, Maybe <dang>. he is. <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a little root. Uh, uh, sticking out of the path mm-hmm. and I could like flick it and it kind of goes like it go like dum, dum. yeah and uh, so I use it as like an 808 kick and I also nice. use it as like a like a kalimba you know what a kalimba oh, yeah. is I love kalimba it's like a it's like a little wooden box with like little metal things on it yeah it's like ding okay. ding 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 um, so yeah that the recording of that thing this that was one of my favorite ones ever I is, use that a lot is there a song particular song or album that people can hear that in uh, there's a lot of it in uh spirit of the jungle so like camel has a bunch of it uh rain i think has a bunch of it i think spirit of the jungle has a bunch of it um but like it's honestly in a lot of my tunes mm-hmm. if you like cool. listen for it you can hear it a lot of times it sounds like an 808 kick but it's got this like high-pitched flicky kind of sound that'll go with it i think i know what you're talking about you probably do yeah if you heard it you'd be like definitely hear it again yeah yeah super cool that's rad what were you doing in the himalayas uh sophia and i took this uh trek hike like across the kawari pass it's called and uh that was like a five-day hike whoa that's awesome that was tight india's crazy when was that um like four years ago three years yeah. ago nice was that like i mean i've just started leaving the country and going places was it india like is that is that like a difficult type of trip to take it seems so 
Yeah, I think different, so. F- different from our life here. It is, know? man. It's very different. It's very, uh, it's like so many people and, you know, the poverty is super intense and it's just like a very, uh, you know, super really different than being in the States. Like coming back to the States, like everything looks so like shiny and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like everything's polished. And then we were there too, like the pollution was super bad. Like the pollution in, uh, in New Delhi was worse than in Beijing at that point. Wow. I, mean, I know Beijing's yeah. kind of cleaned up their act a little bit recently too, but like even just in the uh the airport like looking across the airport like you see the pollution like hitting the building Whoa. <laughs> Ew. it's Holy insane shit. <clears throat> did, but, you, did you know anybody that lived there or you just no like, went for it yeah i didn't know anybody that lived there sophia had been there before for uh like yoga teacher trainings okay so she was kind of familiar but yeah it's a, like yeah it's a really amazing place like yeah all the different history and architecture and stuff there food there mm-hmm. it's amazing do you feel like traveling uh informs just how you live and and maybe even what kind of art and and creative expression you have yeah i mean how could it not you know it's really like definitely yeah it's it opens you up to lots of different things you know mm-hmm. really like um you can can gain so much inspiration from meeting people that are not you know just from your circle and yeah and uh come from different traditions of uh artistic expression and uh yeah i think it's the best really as far as like gaining inspiration and gaining perspective and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah because i noticed even living here it's like it's such a wonderful place to live so many wonderful people but eventually you just have to leave everything you know and just get a hit of something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, well, like, and the Boulder bubble is like particularly homogenous and it's called a bubble. Bland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But the, the scenery here, like the nature and everything is absolutely gorgeous. That's honestly my favorite part about traveling, I think, is like seeing different, uh, different nature. Yeah. Different places, like seeing different climates and, different mountains and rivers and oceans and mm-hmm. plants and animals. And that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you just went to Italy, John. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I saw that? the old Vatican. Crazy man. Took a vo- tour of the Vatican. Have you ever been there? No, I haven't been to Euro- or Europe at all. Yeah. Really? The, like the Vatican is just overwhelming creativity. Like, architecture the structures the paintings like it's so over the top it's unbelievable like you like as soon as you think you're getting exhausted you walk into the next room and you're just like oh jesus christ like (laughs) literally (laughs) (laughs) you saw andrew there huh yeah (laughs) (laughs) wow that that's a callback nice callback (laughs) but yeah I, i think it's cool like you know, going to see, like I'm sure you saw in India too, just seeing like old architecture and mm-hmm. um, expert, like expert artwork that is just so humbling, so beyond your own skill level and understanding, mm-hmm. and just uh, the humbleness that it creates. Um, 
the feeling of insignificance in a good way. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like, it makes you want to step your shit up. Totally. Well, I mean, the the Vatican, the Catholic Church definitely wants you to feel like a pleb too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There is. They want you to know that you're not not worthy. (laughs) Unless you pay up, but still, nah. But still, (laughs) nah. But unless you pay up, but nah. (laughs) Maybe if you pay up this time. Just kidding. (laughs) Is that uh, is Italy where the Sistine Chapel is at? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Go see that one too. I saw it. Yeah, we took like uh, the first tour in the morning, so we went in there, and there was almost nobody in there. Oh wow, that's so cool. Just like I mean, seeing those those original paintings by Michelangelo that yeah. everybody's seen forever, mm-hmm. the mo- like some of the most famous paintings, you know, God uh, touching yeah, Adam, finger, yeah. like, standing directly under that, yeah, it's just like whoa, you that know, it's so just, cool. It's just so perfect too. And do you know that the Sistine Chapel was like Michelangelo's first painting? <laughs> <laughs> no, he worked on it for about forty years. Not bad. And, and he, they were not sit- bad. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good start. How did he get the job? Does he have an so, Instagram? So he was like a great sculptor. <laughs> yeah. He was a great sculptor. And then I guess whatever Pope was around at the time wanted him to paint the Sistine Chapel. And he was like, I don't want to paint, dude. That's like low shit, man. I'm a fucking <laughs> sculptor. Yeah. Like he thought painting was lame. Yeah. yeah like not as uh, revered as being a sculptor. But then. I don't know. They dropped enough loot on him to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was interesting, too, looking at that, like, back in the day, you know, the best artists, they would kind of, you know, they didn't have to, like, have an Instagram and a website and <laughs> make shit, like, homies with butt fuck tons of money said, yeah. you're going to work on this painting for 40 years. Well, you know, you it's... have a place to stay. You know, it's funny, though, is, like, back then, it was, like, they had to they had to paint Jesus and make sculptures of Mary and stuff like that. Yeah. Which was like a really specific, like a specific group had all the money. Mm-hmm. Whereas like now, like the music thing and art is much more democratic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like people will be looking, you know, people are looking at like social analytics and like trying to figure out like what, you know, what's the most popular kind of music. So then, you know, people start like leaning into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like anybody's forcing you to do that, but still in a lot of ways to like make money, people are still like gearing their art towards this other thing, you know? So it's like almost like somebody else is commissioning this mm-hmm. and yeah. telling you what to do, but without it being like a direct thing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like some weird IntelliKey like group mind thing. Yeah, where people which I think like, is more ideal like than this. one one person or sure. one one group doing it, but it's still yeah. still it's the same principle. Yeah, maybe it's interesting. I don't know if it's better or worse because artists of that time, like everything was so well done, like so expertly done, and we're all kind of just pointing towards Jesus or God or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> you know, like. I don't know. Like we're still doing the same thing and like, but with more freedom, I guess. Yeah. It's more, it's more up to the artists, like what we're creating, but there, there was something about the, the grandness of the amount of money poured into art of that time mm-hmm. and the training of the artists that I find very interesting mm-hmm. and something that it'd be cool if we could kind of like get some of that back a little bit in a way. But not yeah, fully, need, like, recreating. The thing it. is, though, is it's, like, 
back then it was way easier to get like a little kid to just do exactly what you told him to do and like yeah. Yeah. make him like force him to like do all of these these technique practices and stuff and mm-hmm. like now kids go to school learn a whole bunch of different things a wide variety of things and like but in general just want to play yeah and so that whole like super focused apprenticeship kind of uh thing i don't know that that'll ever happen again um, yeah exactly. unless the kid is just really like into it like mom and dad like i need to paint like like and mom and dad are like all right yeah mm-hmm. check out you go learn with this dude and yeah mm-hmm. i'm wondering if that's what we're kind of doing right now is rebuilding something like that like uh making artwork legitimate again in a new way and then well, i think it's always been legitimate well yeah but i mean there's it seems like there's been an explosion of a movement of creativity i think there's probably yeah. more artists now than there ever has been per yeah definitely i'd say so i mean yeah so well like, it's also you're talking about the democratization of it um it, you know with like back then i think they only took like the very best yeah. painters mm-hmm. and those are the only works you see yeah and now we've kind of uh digitally recorded everyone's yeah, there's just like creation of art now. It's like yeah, blah, every skill level. When every, you think about yeah. the the cost to even make a painting, it's like to have the uh, oh yeah, you buy the actual paints and like paint back brushes then it was and stuff so like much that. More expensive, yeah, just mm-hmm. even get over that first curve or whatever is really yeah. Same thing with the music. It's like how are you gonna? It's like pay for a quartet to do this, like yeah. much less an <laughs> orchestra, full orchestra, right. or something like that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's a lot easier to create now. Um, and you don't have to be the absolute best to just kind of live on it or live off of it, live off of your creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thing it brought up in my head. Like I value, I think I value, you know, there's a spectrum of like pure creativity and then technical skill. Yeah. And I think I value creativity a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, just because it's like, it's reaching closer um, to the source, maybe. Um, but source is pretty technically perfect, though. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say like when, um, but you can also get closer to the source through, like we were talking about earlier, technicality and learning new skills. Mm-hmm. I think brings you closer to a, a maybe a pure is not the right word, but a more um, complete expression. Mm-hmm. of of what it is we're all kind of like yeah. vibrating with so i suppose like harmonically the, the, the master lives somewhere placed delicately in between uh creative intuition and yeah technical technique. skill yeah mm-hmm. that's like yeah it's funny how we all have like if you're really technically like if you're just creating out of pure love for creation and you technically kind of suck there's like some drills you can do to get your technique better yeah i wonder if you're like very technically gifted but your ideas are lame and like <laughs> can you i suppose you could train in ways to you open that aspect of you up. travel more get yeah. out in the world yeah yeah find a boyfriend or girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> you know like they're you know have a kid mm-hmm. um 
you ever find like yourself on your personal paths coming to a point where you realize either I'm kind of like falling away from that pure creative, just intuitive source. Or sometimes it's like, man, my skills are like kind of shitty. Like you both. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, any artist who's yeah. like doing a bunch of it that has any sort of self reflections, definitely going to be going through that kind of thing. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like for me, it's a lot of time at like the end of a paint or getting close to the end of a painting it becomes um, a little bit less fun. So I mm-hmm. think I'm a little bit more removed from the creativity. And at the end of the painting, I'm really, I, I tend to judge it a little harder than at the beginning because I've spent yeah. however much time on it. So yeah, that's kind of where uh, I find myself doing both those things. Mm-hmm. I gotta pee really <laughs> Yeah, I need to go feed my... Uh my now my mountain lion so we'll probably just call it here yeah it's cool okay would you want to would you want to finish it with speaking of the mountain lion you have one on your property can we hear the recording <laughs> of it and yeah totally it. so aaron recorded this mountain lion in his yard doing what is it like a mating call or something yeah i'm pretty sure like i heard this thing uh for the first time last year and like i was in my studio and heard some crazy sound and i was like went outside and I was like, this sounds like a dying animal or something. I was like, maybe it's a mountain lion though. So I went inside and like Googled, uh, like what does a mountain lion call sound like or something like that? And I was like, Oh, that's what that is. <laughs> like I hear it like just up on the hill over there. I was like, that's, uh, that's kind of scary. <laughs> right on. All right. So we'll leave you with this. I promise that it wasn't just Andrew. <laughs> what did you say? That wasn't just me. It was actually yeah. a recording of Andrew on mushrooms last <laughs> week, running around the woods. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. What's the weirdest sound you've ever made with your voice? I'm just kidding. Um, so I guess we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Thanks for doing this, Aaron. That's yeah, great. Man. Thank you. Yeah, um, we gotta. Yeah, we could keep it concise. If you've made it. If out there, if you've made it this far, like... Oh, they have. God bless you. God yeah. bless God, you. God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can find Aaron's music, um, Bandcamp. MySpace. MySpace, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, it's C-U-A-L-L-I. And like, Kuali. So all over the... It's pronounced Kuali. And you can get your CDs at uh, Sam Goody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam Goody, wow. Throwback. <laughs> Yeah, so bandcamp.com slash Kuali. C-U-A-L-L. <laughs> C-U-A-L-L-I. Kuali. Yeah. Yeah. Bandcamp, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to music, it's on there. Yeah. iTunes. Cool. Dig it. Thanks for listening, guys. Yep. Ciao, ciao. Peace. We love you. Love you. Thanks for listening to another episode of RCAF Podcast. For additional images and notes on this episode, you can check out our website, rcafpodcast.com. And you can find me, Andrew Norris, at 
andrew.norris.arts on Instagram and andrewnorrisarts.com is my website. And you can find me, John Speaker. My website is johnspeaker.com. On Instagram, I'm at John Speaker, and on Facebook, John Speaker Art. And we want to give a special thanks to Blair Speaker, John's lovely wife and creative director of the podcast. She also updates the website and does all the podcast notes. So thank you, Blair. And we'd also like to thank Tyler Billman. He created the music for this podcast. You can find Tyler on SoundCloud and Instagram. His name is Get Billsman. That's G E T B I L L S M A N. Thanks again for listening. Peace. Thank you. (laughs) 